Hello, hello. I am Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. This week, we welcome Kira Yakubov, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Welcome everyone to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing someone in a helping profession, asking questions that you want the answers to and answering questions you didn't know you had. I'm Joanna, a board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female and my pronouns are she, hers, and I don't think I'm going to be on Survivor anytime soon. (laughs) Jeff, Jeff probes. Yeah. He didn't show up for us. You know, what a letdown. There's some other, there's some other circumstances I'll get into. (laughs) And I'm Sarah, an LPC from Pennsylvania, transplant from South Jersey. I am a cishet white woman. My pronouns are she, her, and I got the booster two days ago and um, my body is not psyched about it still, but it's, you know, it's a, it's nice that I was able to get it. So (laughs) being positive. (laughs) But yeah. also, I will have a lot of run-on sentences today, so enjoy hey, that, everybody. That's all right. Mm-hmm. That's like my whole life. <laughs> Just keep talking. Just keep talking, talking, talking in a sentence. Yeah, my Is words are ending? important. No one knows. Anyway, Joanna, why won't you be on Survivor in in the near future? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> it's because yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, it's because I'm pregnant. Is that why you're talking about it? Yeah, that's why I'm talking about You're it. Pregnant. Yes. Yes. Hooray. So this is our official announcement. It's yes. not our announcement. This is Joanna's official announcement. <laughs> um, I like when I told Sarah we were trying, I was like, I'm going to wait until uh, until we announce it on the podcast and then you'll find out and it'll be such a big deal. But I told Sarah like the minute I found out. <laughs> so- you know, like I knew that I knew that you were having you were going to get results that day and I texted you yeah. immediately that morning <laughs> and said how are you feeling just like to test the water and you were like we're pregnant so yeah, yeah. so pregnancy uh, announcement yes and uh yeah it's been a pretty rough first trimester I'm excited when this will come out I'll be securely in that second trimester my placenta will be there <laughs> that'll be fantastic um part of the reason why we took off December just because I've been feeling like nuts so yes yes a reminder to me right now as we're talking that we are releasing this in January to keep my to keep my topical conversations appropriate Christmas is over Uh, Christmas is over it was so Christmas it's been 2022 it's it's been 2022 yeah it's been well and from what I hear 2022 is the year of hope so hey wasn't that what 2021 was supposed to be? No, I don't know. I don't okay. Who decided it was? Who decided it was the year of hope? I just want to know. Uh, I did see some memes. Okay. That said it was the, the year memes of hope. I don't want to go against. What I, the trend I just, is. I just want to, I just want to know where, it, like, where, where in the world it came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Carmen. I'm all down with it. Yeah, I'm down from. with it being hope because, like, that's the year I'm going to give birth. You know, so like. 
Pretty well, I'm hopeful okay with it. it. It's hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if anyone has any questions about being pregnant, I'm I'm open to answering them. I think it'll be nice to kind of follow your pregnancy on this podcast too. Um, yep. You know, just for educational purposes and just to have, have the conversation be active about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because, yes. you know, like most things... <laughs> Pregnancy is pretty uh, mystified and idealized and definitely uh, didn't, didn't think it was going to be as non peachy as it is still happy. I'm pregnant. Your body body is not psyched, but also psyched. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to feel better, which is like, yay. And then hopefully when this podcast comes out, I'll be like, what nausea. So hopefully, yeah, yeah, I'll be feeling <laughs> that too. I'll be happy for you. Thank you. Because um, I think, Joanna, we talked the other day about how when a person isn't feeling well, I, it, and this includes like any suffering from mental illness or mood disorder too, you know, if people are asking you every day how you're feeling, you just kind of want to say, I'm feeling better. <laughs> and it's, yes. it's the same phenomenon that happens in psychiatric hospitals too. Like, oh, how are you? Or what is it? People ask, you feeling better today? And then the patient has no choice but to answer like, yes and lie essentially but yeah so no I've definitely not been pulling any punch I guess I've been pulling punches with (laughs) saying how I feel (laughs) so (laughs) but I can securely say I'm feeling better I can like think again um which is great that is nice yeah well cool I'm I'm jazzed for you I'm jazzed for us to be on this journey with you yeah, and I'm just, just like take a little bit of ownership farther, and farther away from my desk. You know, that'll just be <laughs> like your your voice will be back here as yes. I hear another professional recording. Yeah. yeah. When I sing, I go like, yeah. ah, you know, um, <laughs> whenever you see someone do that with a microphone where they hold it far away from their face when they go, you're like, oh, they know what they're doing. You know what they're doing. They yeah. were on Survivor. <laughs> so, yeah, that's well, why I'm, I'm going to be on Survivor anytime soon, because mm-hmm. like. I think, I think, I don't know when they film, but like, I ain't going to film in 2022. No, um, that, that won't be the year of hope for Survivor. Yeah. This Certainly season's okay. Not. Just saying. Okay. Yeah, well, December was great for us. Um, Joanna's nausea came to an end. Uh, it was appropriately seasonably cold and it snowed yeah. a good amount of inches. Yeah, man, we're just in great, we're in great times. So right good. Now. So mm-hmm. good. All right. Well, before we make any more predictions for our December, um, do you have any, do you have any housekeeping? As usual, I have not reviewed my previous work to come up with mistakes. I have no, my floors are clean. I do have a little bit of a dirty floor. I have to admit, um, we are our last episode that you will hear before this one. We talked about Thanksgiving and cranberry sauce. And I did not have canned cranberry sauce. So I feel well, a little what bit bad happened? about it. Joanna, what I don't happened? know. I mean, I was extremely nauseous the whole time. So I didn't really have any bearing over like my state of being. Over cranberrying. Yeah, mm-hmm. cranberrying. Um, I don't even know if my parents had any. So not only was it, you know, physically, it was not accessible, but also... Yeah. Maybe your parents like forgot. So, I mean, good for them for not getting in trouble for not remembering. But I was like all about it last time. We were like having a fight with our last guest about it. And then I didn't have any. So I don't know if I would have eaten it anyway. Because part of the thing is like, I don't like food anymore. Um, So 
you know. And I've shared many a appetizer and cheese plate with Joanna, so that's a big deal. And our listeners have heard about cheese lunches, so I just understand what. I mean, like, thank goodness most cheese in the United States is pasteurized, because like, if I could, if I had to go this whole time without uh, mm-hmm. creamy cheese, mm-mm. also I can't really do charcuterie, so that's a whole thing. I'll, I'll, I'll deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll deal with Good. It. Happy for you. Um, in other news, uh, it is impossible for an American to get an Italian work visa. If you were wondering <laughs> if you this past oh, no. year have had any, <laughs> have had any desire to go to, uh, to escape or to live in certain countries and immerse yourself in a different culture, it is impossible to get an Italian work visa. If you are not marrying someone there Damn. or going to school there just a nice piece of information I don't know if I've shared it on here but no, I was you pretty, my husband and I were pretty serious last year about uh, relocating to Italy and you know then the world happened and it's very hard to do so we got distracted so I got into it again this year and um, nope it's not going to happen it's way too difficult and also we both don't really want to do it as much or maybe I want to do it enough for both of us <laughs> so yeah that's that if you ever have any questions, I learned so much about relocating to to the EU as an American citizen. Really? That's very yes. interesting. Yes. I've looked Thank a you. lot into uh, emigrating to New Zealand. And apparently mental health jobs are like big, big, big there. They need yeah, more mental we did talk about Oh my gosh. Yeah. In Italy, they they you have to be a psychologist, but a psychologist has a master's level condition there. Also, they call immigrants expats. So I, I'm from the research I'm seeing that it's like it's like white people that are called expats, and we like we call non-white people <laughs> immigrants. That's like a weird yeah. trend that I'm yeah. noticing too. If you ever look into the research on that, yeah. All right. Well, Bummer. so well maybe this year of hope we will have moved to different countries, and uh, we'll be satisfied enough. Yes. <laughs> all right uh stay tuned after the break for our history lesson And now it's time for our lesson. The lesson is compiled facts describing history and or current events, good and bad, in order to give context for the field our interviewee works in. Our sources for today are Sex Therapy, a brief historic and current perspectives by Barbara Braga, De Lucena, and Carmita Elena Nagar Abdo. And of course, Joanna, you guessed it, wikipedia.org. Oh yeah, I had the I had the card right in front of my face. That said Wikipedia. Trigger warning today. <laughs> trigger warning. <laughs> no trigger warnings for today. We will be discussing uh, sex therapy if that if that topic in general is triggering, but that is not what we are listening. So let's start first on the history of couples therapy in the United States. It is relationship counseling, no, excuse me, history of couples therapy in the United States. 
Relationship counseling as a discrete professional service is a recent phenomenon as it wasn't until the 1950s that therapists began treating psychological problems in the context of the family. Until the late 20th century, the work of relationship counseling was informally fulfilled by close friends, family members, or local religious leaders. My parents did have to get, which I think like most people in the Catholic Church had to get counseling by a priest for a certain amount of time, certain amount of sessions before they got married. Um, and that still occurs. A friend of mine who's in the Catholic Church recently had to get counseling as well. Um, so there you go. Psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, and social workers have historically dealt primarily with individual psychological problems in a medical and psychoanalytic framework. In many less technologically advanced cultures around the world today, the institution of family, the village, or group leaders fulfill the work of relationship counseling, which uh, speaks to collectivism, which our guest uh, Yulia spoke about a couple shows back, Joanna, if you remember, the importance of community. All right. Today, marriage mentoring mirrors those cultures. Let's dive into the history of sex therapy. Until the 1950s, classical psychoanalytic concepts guided the understanding and treatment of sexual problems. The symptoms of adult life were understood as unresolved conflicts during the early stages of childhood. In the late 1950s, when the behaviorist perspective gained force, Masters and Johnson began their studies based on direct observations of the human sexual response. Based on these experiments, they divided the sexual response into phases, including excitation, plateau, orgasm, and resolution, each presenting specific physiological processes. For them, sexual dysfunction was mo most often a response to performance anxiety, prompting them to gear the treatment towards anxiety itself. In 1958, Masters and Johnson used the term sexual therapy for the first time in a research proposal submitted to the Chancellor of the University of Washington. In 1974, the psychiatrist Helen Singer Kaplan publishes the book, A New Sex Therapy, which integrates the psychoanalytic model to the sexual therapy proposed by Masters and Johnson. For her, the treatment of sexual dysfunction should be planned according to its etiology or cause, proposing the distinction between recent and remote causes. For recent causes, behavioral exercises to remote ones, traditional psychodynamic models. Since then, the etiology of sexual dysfunctions has been considered in binary terms, remote or recent, psychological or organic. Currently, the term sexual therapy refers to the whole of interventions based on different theoretical perspectives aimed at the treatment of sexual difficulties. Also, it may occur in individual, couple, or group therapy formats. Common elements in sex therapy sessions include speaking openly about sex, uh, including psychoeducation, counseling, sexual permission, training on communication, exercises for body exploration and awareness, and they do not preclude medical interventions. Instead, they are combined. It rarely addresses a single main sexual complaint, but rather the sexual experience as a whole. It involves customized strategies that go from psychoeducation and basic counseling to more specialized interventions using contributions from different psychotherapeutic schools. What fun. Yeah. Stay tuned after the break as we talk to our guests for today. Kira Yakubov is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Pennsylvania. She recently expanded her solo private practice into a virtual group practice called Heal Your Roots Wellness. 
Kira received her master's degree in marriage and family therapy in 2016 and continued her education with postgrad training in systematic sex therapy from, from Council for Relationships. Kira has experienced working in community mental health in high school settings with adolescents, and the last four to five years of her career has been in private practice. Kira is bilingual and immigrated to America as a refugee in 1992. She helped. This has helped her relate to other immigrants and children of immigrants who struggle with their identities and family dynamics. Kira works with adults and couples struggling with anxiety, self-worth, relationship distress, and sexual issues. When she isn't working, she enjoys going for long morning walks with her husband and pup, traveling, trying new food, learning about psychedelics, and gardening. Welcome, Kira. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. What is your pup's name? This is the first question that you didn't know. Her name is Hazel. Oh, that's so cute. Very nice name. (laughs) Technically not a puppy anymore. She turned one in November, but she's still a pup. (laughs) It's okay. I call my dog, who's like five, a pup. So. Um, again, welcome Kira. Uh, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Sure. Um, so I work with adults and couples, um, basically around like anxiety, self-worth, boundaries, um, attachment styles, if there's sexual issues. Um, a lot of it is gaining awareness and creating healthier relationships with ourselves and with others. And it's not one or the other, it's both, because I think that's really important because they impact each other a lot. Um, so if it's couples, it's communication, if there's lifestyle differences, um, anxiety or like sexual concerns within the relationship. And if it's individuals, a lot of that comes up too. Um, but a lot of it is really centered around anxiety and self-worth and how that impacts relationships and vice versa. Great. Yeah, I love that. And I think uh, congratulations on opening your solo practice, by the way, or your group practice. That's so exciting. And I think that that was something that some very driven therapists were able to do this year, including Joanna and myself throwing out a compliment across across the board here. Um, (laughs) But what what was the a little bit off the questions here, but what was the inspiration for opening your group practice? Yeah, so I mean, with the pandemic, I'm sure both of you have realized that intakes have been skyrocketing. People have really mm-hmm. needed me right now. And I've been completely booked up, which is a great problem to have. And that's caused a lot of burnout as well. And wanting to help other people and find therapists for them, but also finding a way to have therapists make more of an income and a livable income and being able to enjoy their life outside of therapy. So like a life work-life balance. So being able to help other therapists create that for their lives and also being able to help more people because I can only reach 15 people a week (laughs) at this point. So (laughs) being able to supply that has also been really helpful and having it be all virtual has really been a huge, huge step in that direction. So yeah, that's been, it's been fun. It's been a month and a half. I've had another therapist on, so it's been going really well. Congratulations. That's so amazing. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for spreading that word that, you know, we encourage folks to have a work-life balance, but also we need to kind of, you know, walk the walk and having your cap be at 15 is a, that's, that's about where I am too. That's, that's a perfect number, I think. So thank you for continuing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How else has the pandemic affected your job day to day? Um, I mean, obviously going completely virtual, 
the one piece, at least in the very beginning, that was really tough that I had to get used to was like internet crashes or like glitches is like someone is like in the middle of crying and really sharing something and it froze. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Can you repeat that? <laughs> and that, <laughs> that has been really tough. Like the technical issues um, of just getting virtual started, but I think I've enjoyed it as well. I mean, I'm an introvert. So being able to like stay at home a lot of the time and just like be in my sweats from like the bottom down and like hop in and out and see my pop or see my husband. That's been really nice too. Like that's added a lot of uh, fulfillment and like little breaks for me in between um, to be able to like continue working from home. Mm. Yeah. It's nice. I'd have to say like, I wouldn't have gotten through like my first trimester of pregnancy. I probably would have had to quit my job. Just like being able to have the flexibility of like wearing sweatpants, (laughs) you know, it's like amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard for me to think now about commuting. And of course, you know, this time last or not, I guess this time, two years ago, I was commuting, seeing eight people a day. you know, four or five days a week and then driving back to Philly at 9 p.m. and looking for a parking spot for 45 minutes. Thinking about doing that oh now gosh. is, oh my God. it's, I'm, and I mean, even then I was, you know, I was making more money than I, you know, thought I would in my life, which was a wonderful thing, but it was also like, I mean, Kira, like you said, there was burnout and it's, I think therapists have this idea that they need to earn. I mean, obviously we earn our money, but we do not need to earn survival and uh, comfortable <laughs> income yeah. um yeah yeah it's been nice having to to be at home and save all that time because commuting thinking about commuting now it really is like how did we all do it we did that was like 30 40 50 minutes each way and parking and like getting dressed and getting ready and now you get all that time back <laughs> yeah it's so nice you can eat breakfast as slowly as you want yes <laughs> so nice Yeah. And you're better for your clients when you show Mm -hmm. up, you know, you're less stressed. They also didn't have to fight traffic and parking to get to you, which I think they really appreciate too. Everybody wins. Yay. I think another big thing that's helped is being virtual is I can see people all over the state. Like I have clients Mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh and all over where wouldn't have been able to do that. That's a very solid point. Mm -hmm. Speaking of being a therapist, what, what is what is most difficult about being a therapist and what do you love? Mm. I guess we're always speaking about being a therapist. So, <laughs> um, I think one of the difficult things, not the most difficult, but one of the difficult things is, you know, in a lot of different jobs or careers, you can befriend the people that you work with or have relationships outside of that or be more of yourself. So I think what's tough sometimes is like when I have clients who like, wow, that she or he seems like a really cool person and I would have totally been friends with them in any other setting and I can't <laughs> or I can't mm-hmm. have more of that relationship because obviously that would ruin the whole therapeutic process but you know it, it can be a little lonely sometimes and if you're not in especially virtually if you're not like in a building or an office with other therapists so it's hard not being able to connect more with the people I work with because they're my clients who I see every day and I don't necessarily have like co-workers unless you count my dog, like go out into the hallway and like hang out with her. But that's been kind of, um, and I think another one is just the burnout through the pandemic has been really hard because we're still human. We're still feeling all of these things too. So having our experience while 
holding space and still being a therapist and helping other people too has been tough. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. The thing about advertising for your niche is that you're going to like a lot, like the folks you bring in, you're going to like them (laughs) because they're coming from a similar space that you are, or they're dealing with things that you can really connect well to. I definitely get that. Mm -hmm. I know the second part of that question was, um, what do I love about it? I would say it might sound kind of cheesy or like cliche, but like watching clients, hearing and watching clients progress is super fulfilling and rewarding, especially if it's around like self-worth or like they've been having trouble setting boundaries with like people in their life. And just like hearing them be more confident and assertive is always just like such a rewarding feeling to watch and see. So I really love that part of being a therapist and just hearing all the different perspectives that I probably wouldn't have in like a different field. So it, it helps me continue to like grow and evolve and like just be more open-minded, I would say. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about why you are a therapist and what drew you into the field? Um, so actually when I started my undergrad, I went to college for accounting and I didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. And I'm from an immigrant family. So my dad's like, you should do accounting. That's a stable job for a woman. You'll be fine. <laughs> You're good at math. That works. Um, and I did my classes. I did fine. And then I minored in psychology because I always found it fascinating. It was all read about and wanted to learn about. And as I started taking more of those classes, I was getting A's and my accounting classes, I was starting to fail. I was like, okay there needs to be a switch here. And I told my parents I wanted to be a therapist. And they're like, this is crazy. (laughs) No, why would you leave accounting? Um, So it was a bit of a struggle, but I finally switched over. And I've just always loved the brain. It's just so fascinating. And like problem solving with emotions has been really interesting for me. And like working with people and finding purpose in what I do. Because I interned as an accountant. And for me, there was no purpose or meaning in that. And that was like soul draining. Um, so it's been just like very fulfilling and challenging all the time, which is what I really love about it. Sorry for the car honking in the background. I can't hear it at all. <laughs> I, oh, good, hear okay. it. I got it. <laughs> no, I'm like, I was like entranced by that. I, I think you're, I think you're right. We, we get this opportunity to study this really cool thing that we know so little about, but it, 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 we, the more we learn about it, the more we learn how much it can serve us and how much we can serve it. I don't know. We really gain, we really gain a lot of strength the more we learn about our brains. Everybody. Mm-hmm. How has your identity, either racial, ethnic, sexuality, gender, et cetera, helped or hindered your practice? Um, I think it's helped in a lot of ways. I mean, I, as people find out if I'm an immigrant or refugee and like, especially um, from Azerbaijan, the former Soviet Union. So I speak Russian. Um, and it was very much a collective culture and environment. And that really translates over into like family dynamics. And I think a lot of immigrant families have a lot of enmeshment um, just due from like survival and like the need because of how literally close you lived with each other in a home or like generations within a home. So I think that it helps people know that I can relate or empathize in that way. Um, and also with sexuality, because a lot of immigrant cultures are very conservative or especially while I was growing up there was no sex before marriage like that was that was like crazy if you even thought about that and a lot of different pieces of our identity is not allowed to be open like 
it was a lot of like splitting between me of like two cultures, like the American culture and like the Russian culture and having to like hide that in different settings. So I think that it gives me an advantage to like understand people's backgrounds and like what's normal within those cultures and not just stigmatize it or pathologize it. Um, so I think it's been helpful in a lot of ways. Can you talk a little bit more about enmeshment for our listeners and what that is, how you see it with folks you treat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so enmeshment basically is when there's a family dynamic and everyone within the family, usually when there's cho- like sm- younger children or teenagers and parents or other generations is that everything kind of needs to be one. So like the thoughts, the beliefs, the behaviors need to all be aligned with each other in a very collective way. And if there's one or more family members who have a different opinion or a different way of doing things or even want distance from the family, it could be perceived as a threat. And there's a lot of lack of boundaries and lack of privacy. And there's not a lot of respect for like individuality, right? Because if you're coming from collective cultures, everything is about what's best for the family and how people perceive the family. So if one person is different or odd or does something shameful, it reflects on everybody. So it's hard to separate yourself in that way. Um, So that comes up a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Thank you for that. It really makes me think about um, individuality in the United States culture and how that's actually led to a lot of problems for us. So it's, it's like we're looking at two different sides of like two very big extremes of um, how we relate to each other culturally. Yeah. I mean, this is like a very hard question to answer, I'm sure. But where do you think we would lie safely in the middle? What do you think it would look like for families if they lied safely in the middle of individuality and like enmeshed collectivism? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. That's like, <laughs> the million dollar question, right. right? Is like finding that balance because it's it's always been like it's not nurture versus nature, it's both, right? It's not individual mm-hmm. or collective, it's both. So I think like finding a space where you can appreciate and respect your roots and like the traditions of your family and culture while there's still being space for you to like develop what you want to do in your passions. And I think as long as our family doesn't see that as a threat, or at least if there's enough open communication about like, hey, I'm not leaving you or the family, or I'm not ashamed of the family. This is just like a different part of me I wanna express. And if we can like learn to hold both of those, I think that there could be like a very nice marriage, but that is depending on the time of the year, on the family, on each person's communication and emotional maturity, right? Like so many factors go into it. So it's easier with when there's two people as a couple versus when there's a whole system. Yeah, that sounds very nice. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you for answering. Yes, very nice, but like you said, hard to get to and there's a lot of variables, but those are good family goals. Right. <laughs> so speaking of kind of taking kind of taking a you know a harsh left turn with this, how do you approach self-care? Mm. So I think I mentioned as an introvert, right? Like I need a lot of alone time. So I have to factor in my schedule, like being alone in the morning before sessions start, but also like having enough alone time on like a monthly or quarterly basis. So like I try to take several days or a week off every two months to like reset. And then each morning, like I go on a walk with my husband and dog. And then I spend some time like meditating when I can. And just at nighttime, once it's like eight, 39 o'clock, like I'm done <laughs> communicating with the world besides, you know, who I live with and 
just like having space from that. And like, of course there's nice things, um, you know, getting my nails done, getting massages, but like socializing, being intentional about how I socialize. So like obviously with work, but being intentional, like seeing my friends who really provide a lot of nourishment back and forth. And that is like healing to see them, right? Like sometimes it feels like I have therapy sessions with my friends, like because with each other, right? Like feeling so close and open to share things. Um, so I think just like being alone, being intentional to who I spend my time with and like physical care as well. I, I love the idea of, cause I think it's, I think this is, here it is, Joanna, 2022 year of hope. Cause I think, okay. jo, um, I think therapists are like learning now when to take time off and how frequently they can do it. And really there's no answer to that. You just kind of have to make it your own. You have to make it your own thing and be okay with it. And as long as your clients are taken care of, that's, you're doing your job. So the idea of taking a couple days off or a week off every two months sounds wonderful. I've I've actually been thinking recently about taking three or four weeks off every summer That's great. and just <laughs> diving in and just doing it. Um, so you sharing that made me feel even more better about that. Thank you, Kira. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should all move to Italy. Uh, I just went yeah. there <laughs> for vacation too. And we're also thinking oh. about wanting to move there someday because it's just so beautiful. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. We well, honestly, we could all make that trip and we could even establish a little, we could get one of those towns where the houses are $2 and yes. just kind yeah. of scoop Let's it all it. up. I would, that is my thing to want to, what is that word? It's um, not, not like a colony. We'll edit this part out, obviously. But what is that word for like the people that all live together and survive uh, like off a of compound? On a com- maybe on a compound, not not like a cult. Oh, what but do you're... they call it? Like, they do it at Drexel, right? It's like the no, not a co-op. Well, okay, okay, the co-op was what I was thinking. Fuck, not a cult. Like a, like a collective, because. A collective, because people would call it a cult because you're living kind of like That's you're living funny. out of the norm, but you're not, you know, you're not part- like participating in like huge capitalism. But yes, we could form a collective and move to some abandoned village in Tuscany. That would be wonderful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was worth that, right? It was worth getting that, getting that word out. Yeah. <laughs> But that's actually something um, that's actually something that me and a couple other people have, well, me and like two other people have talked about that are just, we would love to be able to live somewhere else and maybe American values are not really aligned with where we are right now. And where could we just settle? Mm-hmm. I mean, the privilege in that is pretty astounding, but where, <laughs> where could we settle? <sighs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been my podcast on <laughs> um, relocating. Again, speaking into individuality and uh, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? And not mm-hmm. just like ice cream, unless it is ice cream, but. I mean, ice cream is a guilty pleasure, but yeah. um, this was actually kind of hard to answer because I don't have guilt around pleasure. <laughs> yes. So I don't. <laughs> But if I had to, if I was like thinking about like what would make me feel guilty if I were to feel guilty about pleasure, um, I think it's like once it's like 8, 30, 9 o'clock or if there's like times where I'm just like done speaking or socializing, I'll like get into my elephant or lion onesie <laughs> and come out and hang out with my husband and puppy and just like binge watch Netflix, just like whatever the good shows are on and just chill super hard. <laughs> yeah. 
It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It really is. I was, mm-hmm. I was thinking recently about a guilty pleasure I'd shared before about like thrusting, um, shopping carts into their the little place where you're supposed to put them. Cause I've been doing that lately. <laughs> Um, I, I guess I've just had a lot of opportunities to do that. And I like, I just thought about the other day. Cause like someone was like standing near and I was like, I'm still going to do it because why not? For you. <laughs> Thank you. But it's like the, it's so, yeah, it's just like, and it makes this huge bang and you're also like doing your part and putting the card away, mm-hmm. you know, just as loudly as possible. Did we decide what that word for that is regionally for us? Yeah, well, I had to translate from saying carriage because I, I say carriage, which my husband is like, what? <laughs> so. Well, that made me realize I don't have a word for it. I don't I, like I think that happens every so often. I realize that I don't have a word for something. I just describe what it is. That's the only example I have right now. Just the cart house. The house of carts in the parking lot. The carriage return is what I would call it. The carriage, the carriage return. return. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> nope. Nope. Nothing for it. Yeah. I just slam that carriage into the carriage return. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about it. Like, what did I go get that thing for? Like, the only reason we talk about it is to say, go get rid of the cart. I'm never going to mm-hmm. say, go put the cart in the. Yeah. I don't know. Linguistics, the man. The I just say, just return the cart. I don't, I don't specify Return where the it's going. <laughs> you know where it goes. You know yeah. where it goes. I don't need a word for this. Oh, gosh. Mm. Um, what themes have been coming up in your clinical work lately? Mm. So I've actually had a lot. Um, I mean, I've had some new couples. And what's coming up a lot is I'm noticing that one or both of the partners is just newly diagnosed with ADHD. Like, recognizing how to navigate that, but also through the pandemic, because it's just exacerbating the symptoms even more. So like, that's just been such a random common theme. Um, And it's weird because it also like relates to my life because I also have ADHD and my symptoms have been really bad recently. So it's, it's interesting to see how like the pandemic, you know, seasonal affective disorder, just like generally the world's state right now is not great for our like overall mental health and like emotional and physical health so I've been noticing a huge theme in like ADHD symptoms getting worse and how that's impacting romantic relationships interesting that is that's so cool I mean it's an it's unfortunate that folks are having to deal with it but ADHD is so misunderstood that a lot of times with clients when I'm giving them psychoeducation they're shocked to just hear what some of the fairly common uh, symptoms are. Could you go over some that maybe might surprise listeners, something that folks with ADHD have to deal with? Sure. So especially when I see it in couples is like when they're arguing a lot about the same things, it's one or both partners is having a hard time with just like household chores, keeping up with like their side of responsibilities, the other partner feeling like they have to constantly remind them, they can't rely on them to do small things, they feel like they just don't care, they're not listening, um, when it's really they're just having a hard time either remembering or concentrating or having like a system of taking care of this stuff. And so it could, could feel like this imbalance of like a parent and child dynamic that I could quickly fall into. Um, And so like once that comes out, then I start to assess to see if there's other symptoms that are coming up with either of the 
um, individuals who might have it. So it's like concentration issues. A lot of it's like low self-esteem, even like clumsiness, like walking into things, hurting themselves a lot, gazing off, not being able to like finish a task, difficulty with organization. Um, I think the hyperactive one is a little bit easier to spot because of how it presents itself, right? Like talking really fast, interrupting people and not being able to sit still uh, versus like inattentive type is a little bit more difficult because it's not as obvious, but it's like a lot of forgetfulness, not being able to concentrate, just like misplacing things all the time. Um, like I remember when I was little, my dad would say, if my head wasn't on my body, I would lose it. <laughs> like just random things like that that seem kind of small mm -hmm. and trivial but like really impact your life and how people may view you or treat you yeah which speaks to the low self-esteem that's pretty ubiquitous right I've, absolutely I've, because my husband has adhd as well and I, you could just see you could just see it in him like how folks have spoken to him about his attention through his whole life and it's i don't know yeah, like similar comments, like you'd lose your head if it wasn't screwed on. But that <laughs> something as something as kind of facetious and harmless like that over and over and over again over time from every adult you encounter can be uh, pretty devastating, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like you should be able to do this. Like you have the potential where everyone sees your potential, but you just can't get yourself to do it. So it's just like constantly beating yourself up or like being anxious. So it's like overly preparing and over mm -hmm. analyzing things too. That's why anxiety, depression, ADHD are like so intertwined a lot of the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would not have guessed that, that that's something that's coming up more, but yeah, with the pandemic, everything has been exacerbated. Yeah. And you're home, you're home more with yeah. everybody, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like you could have been out of the house, out of sight, out of mind. And now it's like, you're, you still haven't done the dishes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and how much folks with ADHD can rely on that routine to help them get things done. Oh, okay, we're back. Yeah, how much they can rely on routine to help them get those things done as reminders. And then that routine was lost. And what the hell do you do? Yeah. Figure out a whole new system hmm. now. <laughs> Begrudgingly, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's been one of the struggles of like working from home and doing a private practice. Cause like early on in the pandemic, I was uh, furloughed and then I went back to work in like June 2020. And so like when I stopped working, like finding finding any kind of semblance of a schedule or, you know, some sort of routine, because like then the days can kind of blend together and then you're like, oh, I'm, I don't know what day it is today and all that sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Real. I'm, I'm like shaking my head, Joanna, because even thinking about you having to go back to work in June of 2020 still at this point just blows my mind yeah traffic was great that was that was a good um <laughs> that was good commuting yeah. then so mm -hmm. end of list of positive things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um even like I used to go to work so early I used to go to work be at work for 7 a.m oh my gosh I know so gross <laughs> so I could like leave at three and partially that was because like I needed to find parking by my house <laughs> like, like I couldn't get home normal time and also like during the pandemic parking was really hard because no one was going to work so mm -hmm. yeah. there were no spots and there still are no spots it's really strange um but anyway 
I digress. Uh, Mm. I'm going to digress more and ask you, what is your favorite breakfast? My favorite breakfast is probably Eggs Benedict. Oh, not bad. I really like Eggs Benedict. I can't have it right now, which is why I had that reaction. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Just wanted to explain why it sounded in pain when you said Eggs Um, you- <laughs> no, I was, uh, Joy, did you see that? I'd care for you too, but I don't know if you watch Bob's Burgers. Oh, <laughs> There's an episode. Oh, good, good, good. So that episode, the Christmas episode where Linda needs to go get a Dutch baby. <laughs> and I was in my, in my yoga room today. I, I, I know how I sound. I live in an apartment, everybody. It's in my one, has a yoga our room. third bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Still it's a beautiful yoga I was room in my yoga room this morning. <laughs> <laughs> ah, rental life. Um, my husband came in and said, do you want a Dutch baby? And I was like, what? And, I, and, and two minutes before that, I had heard him singing in the room, if you're not real, then why do I feel this way, little babies? <laughs> like another quote from Linda. I don't know. I thought that would be funnier, but I didn't have a Dutch baby because it would have taken 35 minutes and I was very hungry. Bob's Burgers, that's a solid show. It's a good show. We don't have to include that, but I agree. It's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> I, a recommendation I'll have, this is a good resource, is there's a Bob's Burgers burger book. If you are into eating burgers, it's a really good book about like how to cook burgers. And then it has like all of the like recipes for like his burger of the day. Um, all different recipes and it is really like I buy it for people when they like move into their like when they buy a house like here I don't don't know Mm -hmm. why I do that (laughs) because it's like such a good it you know it's such a it's such a wonderful recipe book so that's That's my resource for today hell yeah put that on the list yeah (laughs) absolutely all right let's see if you could have any superpower what would it be and why? Hmm. Um, if I had a superpower, I would be able to control or manipulate time. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I think that is I mean, something that we can never get back, right? Like it's just constantly we're losing mm-hmm. it. Um, and I just feel like there's never enough time for anything or everything. So I would love to be able to like pause time and life and like take whoever with me and just like, hang out or do what we want to do and then repause and then go back. Okay. So like allowing yourself to pause time and then like waste it or not waste it, but like enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, Cause that's I wouldn't like want to use speak. it for good. I would try to, I, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to fast forward things, but I would want to just pause and have more of it. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. I like Great that answer. One. Do you have any questions for us? Yeah. What made both of you start a podcast and just be like rolling with it? Like, I'm very impressed. I love this. Thank you. It's <laughs> very nice. Thank you. Uh, Joanna texted me one day and said, do you want to start a podcast? And I said, yes. <laughs> but it was. That's what it was. Yeah. It was when we were both leaving bad jobs and 
I had been doing a lot of research about like passive income and Joanna had been doing that as well. And then we both, you know, she had the idea and then just, uh, we connected on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was it. And we wanted to, I think we had both been encountering clients that didn't understand the concept of therapy therapy or very intimidated by it for good reason. I mean, therapy has had a bad rap for a very long time again, for good reason, just because of its history. And we wanted to be able to make it more approachable and more accessible for folks. And we wanted to give a voice to people who didn't really have one, like therapists who were coming from communities that were not, uh, you know, amplified. So that is mm. the answer. Good answer. That's what I would have said. Well, good for both of you. Just go Thank on. You. Thanks. We're having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Yahoo. All right. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was really that was really real. All right. Yeah. Final question. <laughs> what is something not related to your professional life that you are really excited about right now? Mm. So two things, totally unrelated to therapy. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I'm getting, so I have, I draw my eyebrows in every day because I overpluck them in my teenage years when having thin eyebrows in and now, <laughs> now thick eyebrows are in, but I'm getting them powder, uh, like semi-permanent powder eyebrows this week. And I just can't wait to wake up and just have perfect eyebrows every day. What oh a dream come God. true. <laughs> Kira, I think about that every day. I've been doing research, like heavy research this week on um, on microblading. So feel free after the show to give me your, give me the Absolutely. name of your person you're going to, because that was something that I did in 1998 as well, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Though. They look good. So thank you. Yeah. yeah Even drawing them in, they look good. All right. Keep interrupting you. No, I keep saying things that aren't working. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, second part would be I'm excited. Uh, in February, my husband and I are going to visit uh, Israel. He's got family there. So we're going to spend some time in Israel and just be in some warm weather and see family. So I'm super excited about that too. That's amazing. Nice. Have a great time. My yeah, God. enjoy. Those yeah. are two very exciting things coming up. <laughs> yeah. Um, that actually wasn't the last question, though. We do have one oh, more shit, question. Yeah. The question. Which is the would, would you rather question. Um, would you rather eat the same thing every day forever or never repeat a meal for the rest of your life? This is a tough one. Can I ask clarifying questions or no? Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There's no rules to this. <laughs> um, so if I couldn't repeat the same meal, does that mean it couldn't have been made the same way or that food altogether cannot be repeated like I I think you'd be able like one day you could eat like a cheese pizza and the next day you could eat like a sausage pizza I think because like I think you would run out of food pretty fast um okay because I'm thinking about like, I love dumplings so like is this no dumplings or no dumplings at the same place <laughs> I guess like no same dumplings like if you have these dumplings, no more. I guess I just have a new food every day. Yeah. yeah. Everyone looks so sad. No, I every choice I have to make. This is a tough I just choice. hate this question every episode. Sorry. <laughs> also, I eat this. I've eaten the same breakfast since like 
20, 12 every day. So I don't, I think I'd be okay. Is it every meal or just every one meal? meal? No, that's tough. I, I mean, I'm not going to make different food every day and I'm not going to volunteer my husband to do it. I mean, he would be <laughs> the one doing it. So I'm not, I'll just eat the same food every day. Oh, you know, I'll fair. drink a smoothie for every meal. Oh, that's a, I, I tried to do a juice Breaking fast barriers. once and did not I, the like needing something to chew. It was a day juice fast one day. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this. I need to chew on something. Two week. <laughs> awesome. Sm- um, smoothie, smoothie lunches are my thing though. I, a little bit of protein powder. I'm, I'm good. And then I'll just like have a very, very large dinner. And it's nice and quick on days when you have clients. It's hard. This is hard for me because like, again, my relationship with food has changed so drastically in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so like thinking about food is like gross to me. Um, so I guess I would try to eat like a different, I don't think I could do the same thing every day now. I think like in the past I could, uh, but mm-hmm. now like I've been eating kind of the same breakfast for the past couple of weeks and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Um, <laughs> but I just like changed part of it and now it's a little better. So Um, yeah. I wonder if the creator of this game knew that the questions would be so heavily analyzed and used and answered. Bought this at Kohl's like 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was the last time anyone ever went to Kohl's. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've used them in groups before. The reason why I was like, I know my answer in the past has been like, uh just the same thing every day kidding me um but uh now it wouldn't be that anymore so yeah all right well well thank you Kira Kira, so much so much (laughs) we are in sync yeah god it was such a (laughs) such a treat having you on here is there anything that you would like to plug your practice a social media account or a resource or anything like that that you want our listeners to know about yeah so uh, my group practice website is healyourrootswellness.com and instagram is also healyourrootswellness so if anybody is looking for some therapy individual or couples within Pennsylvania, we'd love to, to help you out. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Kira, thank you so much again. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we had Stay a proper tuned. goodbye already. Stay tuned after the break. Yep. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe slash rate slash review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram at TNDPod, on Twitter at TherapistNDPod, all one word, or visit our website at TNDPodcast.com. We've got a Patreon. You've got the ability to Mm -hmm. vote on questions we ask our guests and so much more. Uh, head on over to that Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. If you would like to be a guest on our show or just have something to say, uh, you can email us at therapistsnextdoor at gmail.com. That's therapist plural. Sarah, do you have anything to plug? Yes, at long last I do. You can find me on Instagram at teletherapy with Sarah. Website is teletherapywithsarah.com. I post bi-monthly, no, mm-hmm. bi-weekly blog posts 
uh, meant to improve the lives of professional millennials from working class backgrounds. And on my Instagram, I post weekly journal prompts on Fridays because journaling is the best thing in the world on a long list of other things that are really good. Yeah. How about you, Joanna? What can you plug? Um, I can plug my therapy practice, which is Oriana Therapy. Um, you can find it at orianatherapy.com. I do have an Instagram, but I don't really uh, update it right now. Uh, it's or- at Oriana Therapy. Um, and yeah, that's what I got to plug. Until next time. We are, we your, are your therapists, therapists next, next door. door. <laughs> Bye.